Hey, good morning. How are y'all doing? Um, a couple of house cleaning things, just so you know, housekeeping things, just so you know what's going on. Um, somebody asked me just a little while ago what we could do to help folks who are um, in the ravages of the hurricane and the folks in Houston, that sort of thing. Um, understand, uh, we're, we're a Southern Baptist church. We have a great um, mechanism for helping. Um, when you give to our church, part of what you give goes to something called the cooperative program. All, all, most Southern Baptist churches, the vast majority, contribute to this cooperative program. The cooperative program serves to send missionaries overseas, to send missionaries in the United States, et cetera, et cetera. But also part of what we do with cooperative program money is um, aid folks in distress. And so we have teams that we send, and the Southern Baptists have been on the ground helping folks in Houston. They'll be on the ground helping folks in Florida. Now, there probably, there will likely be additional opportunities. We'll let you know that through social media uh, next Sunday if you come, when you come. We'll tell you if there are other opportunities that you might have or an additional opportunity. But understand, we, we are contributing to um, the help, helping of people who are in need. So really important. I love being a Southern Baptist for that very reason because we do a great job of helping people. And it makes an impact in folks' lives when they're um, distressed as they are now or will be soon. Uh, it's a great time to minister in the name of Christ to people. Also, I want to thank Dwayne for last week preaching. I hear great things, and it's awesome. Dwayne, thank you for, for filling in. And this week, we're starting a new series called Not a Fan, and I'm excited about that. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to kind of begin a little different. A lot of times, I kind of warm you up and, and then get you going. And today, we're going to look at the text, and then we're going to kind of diagnose the text because it's a story. Here's what I know about reading Scripture. The, the Bible was written in an era that's different than ours. And sometimes, in order to get the full weight of what we're reading, you have to understand the context. You have to understand the culture. Um, just like if you go to another culture, you have to, you have to start learning the culture. Well, I, I went to Russia on a mission trip one time, and, and um, they said to me, uh, I got to preach, uh, that service, uh, best I can remember, it's been a long time, but... Best I can remember, we had seven special musics, five preachers. We started at like nine and it went till two. I mean, it was a long service. And what they told me as an American was, don't try to be funny. Because it does not translate. And I'm like, you ain't the boss of me. You know, outside, I'm saying, yes, I won't. And inside, I'm going, I'm going to try it, you know, just to see. And I made a joke about beats because they do a lot of borscht and they like beats and they laughed. So I think it was okay. They were either laughing at me or with me. I don't know which it was. It was okay either way for me. But you have to understand the context, the culture. And so let's read this story. I'm going to have the slides on the screen here. We're going to read the story and then we'll, we'll back out of it and we'll kind of break it down. You have to understand the culture. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus, Scott, by the name of this guy's name is Simon. A Pharisee, you know, is kind of important in the community religiously. He invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house, Jesus did, and reclined at the table. Now, understand something about the meal. This was hugely social. You and I, we miss this totally because we have fast food. We hardly do meals together as families anymore. This was... Big. 
to invite people over to have a meal or to have a banquet was just uncommon. It was a big, 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 big thing. And you, ha- you need to understand it was a big thing. So this Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus over and Jesus reclines at the table. By the way, again, culturally, we sit at the dinner table. They reclined at the dinner table, which means the table was low and they would basically lay on the floor with their feet away from the food and they kind of prop themselves up with pillows. And the older I get, really, there's not many reasons to get on the floor for me anymore. Uh, food would want, be one of them. So uh, uh, th- that was how they did it, and they got on the, the floor. Reclining at the table then means he was sort of uh, toward the table with his torso, but his feet were away. Um, a, wom- a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were any sort of prophet, you've got to read it that way, if he was even, if he was just the worst prophet, if he had any prophetic uh, intellect at all, any prophetic knowledge, if he was anybody at all, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. you got to say it that way. Sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. <laughs> when Jesus says, hey, dude, I have something to tell you, um, and when he says it this way, it's sort of implying, I'm going to tell you something and you might not like it. That, that's the inference here, okay? Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people, he, then, then Jesus tells these little stories. They're called parables. And they're full of wisdom. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and one other owed him 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my tears and my feet, my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, her many, many sins, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven... Little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now understand something. Every culture has certain rules of etiquette. You, we have etiquette. Now, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago a story about Miriam and I. We went to a, a very posh uh, home in Dallas one time. Miriam was a Swiss citizen. We were invited to come meet the uh, new Swiss ambassador, and there's certain etiquette when you're at one of these fancy shindigs. Now, I get it because I'm from Kentucky, and we're all blue bloods. I mean, you know, but I'm thinking maybe you as, as South Carolinians might not know all that I know about etiquette. Uh, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but I've seen some of y'all, and I'm pretty sure it's true. So, we're going to go over, we're going we're gonna to have a little quiz today. I'm going to see how etiquette you are, Okay. How etiqueted up you, you all are, 
Okay? So, we're going to ask some questions, a little, a little survey. When, when should one start eating the main course at a formal dinner? It's good to know. After the hostess is served, after the hostess lifts her fork, after three or four people are served, as soon as possible with urgency and passion. Okay. I want you to think about it just for a second. Tell your neighbor what you think. Tell them your answer. What do you think? Okay, how many people said C? C is the correct answer. See, y'all ain't got no etiquette. Uh, I'm trying to help you. I'm here to serve you. From what I understand, Emily Post, my go-to, uh, says that sometimes the main course will get uh, cold quickly, and so you are permitted to, to eat after three or four people are served. The hostess really should tell you, but even if she doesn't. So, <laughs> you could throw down. Uh, third person, boom, you're, you're at it, okay? Now, you did, you did horrible on that one. I, I just want to, I mean, let's just be, we want to be, I'm going to speak truth and love. You did horrible on that one. So, let's do number two. At lunch, you notice that the stranger sitting next to you has spinach in her teeth. That's bad. Got a big, you know, fantasy thing. So, what do you do? Uh, you don't say anything. You smile, look her directly in the eye. Uh, B, you say something and hope you don't embarrass her. Three, you make visual signs indicating that she has something on her teeth. You do like this. You know, you kind of do that. Four, you wipe your teeth with your napkin and hope she gets the clue. All right? So, what do you think? What do you think? B, so I heard B. The answer is A. It's not biblical, but evidently it's great uh, etiquette. So, just leave her be and make fun of her later. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. All right, you're, really, you're, really, you're not doing great. Um, what do you do if a piece of food, your food, falls off your plate onto the floor? Now, we all, this is easy. Five-second rule, you pick it up, you eat it. I mean, it's all good. Uh, B, you pick it up and leave it in your napkin. C, you leave it on the floor and you don't step on it. D, you wipe it off and discreetly place it on your neighbor's plate when they're not looking. So, what do you think? Anybody? Got a... D, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's South Carolina. Uh, I get it. I get it. All right. The proper answer, again, uh, C. You leave it on the floor and you don't step on it. Seems horrible, but that's, that's true. All right, let me give you a couple more. You're not doing great. If your phone rings during church service, you answer it quietly and walk out. You ignore it and act like it's your neighbor's. I like that. You pray for the rapture. Uh, uh, that's good. You thank God you now have a reason to leave. That's good. Or you ask the preacher out to lunch afterward because it's penance. And that's obviously the answer. Uh, so that's not Emily Post. That's me. All right. One more. Bad sermon. You, the, preacher, the preacher delivers a bad sermon. What do you say? Bless your heart. How about that ball game? Preacher, that was some sermon. It seems that every sermon you preach is better than the next. That, that's always nice. Or all of the above. Now, obviously, you don't ever have to worry about that. But okay. All right. So. Every, every culture has etiquette. And, and some of those were surprising because they don't, they don't seem logical to us. Like if you drop your food on the floor, you pick it up. I would, I would have said pick it up and leave it in a napkin. However, in Jesus' time, first century Middle East, there were certain rules of etiquette. And everybody knew them. Now, we in this room, we didn't know all the etiquette rules. But first century... Middle East, people knew the rules. 
And that's why this story is incredibly powerful, but you've got to know the rules. So let's talk about the rules a little bit. There, there were three things that if I invited you to my home, I would do for you. Now, number one is I would give you a kiss of greeting. If we were of equal status, and again, this is a society where people had different stati, statuses. And, and so if we were equals... I would kiss you on the cheek. But, but if you were a teacher and I was a student, or if, if you were my parents and I was your child, the kiss would be on the hand. Be a kiss on the hand. Now, you'll recall that when, um, when Judas betrayed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he kissed Jesus. Well, that would have been on the hand. And it wouldn't have been, I mean, it wouldn't have been on the cheek because they weren't equals. So somebody of greater status than you would receive from you a kiss. And it was, it was always done. There, there was never a question if you were going to do this. It wasn't like this is optional. This is just etiquette. And, and to, to neglect it is extremely insulting. To not, to not to do this, this would be like, you, tonight you come to my house and you ring the doorbell and I yell from the, my living room, Come in! And you come in, and I'm watching the cowboy game, and I don't even look at you. I don't even acknowledge you're in the room. Now, I don't care where you're from. That's rude, right? I mean, it's just rude for me not to get up. I mean, at least I could pause it and go over and say hello. So, rude. This is really rude. For, for Simon not to give Jesus a kiss of welcome, incredibly rude. And honestly, as a rabbi, he would have been of higher status, even to the Pharisee. So the Pharisee really, culturally, should have kissed Jesus' hand. Another thing that was just done, you just did this. There was not a debate about it. The washing of a guest's feet. Now understand, I mean, we never do this, but um, we kind of have traditions. In, like in the north, where we lived in Michigan, when you went into somebody's house, especially in the winter, you take your shoes off. Kind of what you did. That's kind of how it worked. Because... You didn't want to track snow and dirt and stuff into people's homes. So it's a little bit, it's kind of similar. These people wore open-toed shoes. They walked on dusty roads. They didn't have automobiles. They traveled by foot. When you arrived at somebody's house, it is very likely that your feet are dirty. And it was just common practice for somebody to wash your feet. Now, Again, if you were lower status and you invited somebody of higher status, you would wash their feet. You as the host would wash your guest's feet. At, at, at least if you were equal, you might have your servant do it. At the very bare minimum, I mean, if, if you did nothing else, you would offer them water. That's a little insulting, but at least it's better than not washing your feet at all. To recline at the table with unwashed feet was simply unheard of. So think about this. Simon invites Jesus to his house. He doesn't offer him the kiss of greeting that was just highly appropriate, incredibly inappropriate not to. He doesn't even offer him water to wash his own feet. Just sort of neglects that. The third thing is the offering of oil to anoint one's head. Now, it would be inexpensive. I mean, it wouldn't cost you much to do this. And... It was just sort of a way of refreshing. You and I might say, hey, here's the powder room if you want to freshen up. 
And when you go to the powder room, you may splash some water on your face, that kind of thing. This is similar to that. And again, it is an egregious breach of etiquette to not offer oil for anointing. If you weren't going to do it yourself, you at least say, hey, there's some, there's some oil on this table for your head. Now, Simon isn't just a bad host because he's a bad host. But it's not as if Simon didn't know the rules. I mean, if somebody doesn't know, you don't know what you don't know, but he knew, he knew the rules. He just, he intentionally chose. These aren't subtle omissions. There's an intentionality to this that basically says, I don't think you're worthy of any acclaim. Now, one has to go into kind of presumption here. Why would Simon treat Jesus this way? Um, Perhaps he had heard him teach and didn't like what he taught. And he invited Jesus over. And what he was going to do is he was going to get his friends around and they were going to kind of poke holes in Jesus' theology. Or they were going to kind of make fun of him. For whatever reason, I don't exactly know. We don't know. We're not going to know until we get to heaven why Simon did this. But Simon did this intentionally. There's, there's no doubt this was intentional. It, it, was, it was egregious. It, it was... It was highly irregular. And that's what makes this story so... It's like a powder keg ready to explode. I mean, Jesus could have easily rebuked him. What, what, why, why no kiss? Why no water? Why, why no oil? I mean, Jesus could have done this. But there's another character in this story. And when I say story, I'm not talking about something that's made up. This is an account that happened in Jesus' life. It's a true event. And, and the Bible tells us a woman in that town lived a sinful life. You need to understand this. She was a prostitute. It's, this is what he means. She lived a sinful life. He doesn't mean she steals some grapes at Kroger. You know, uh, It doesn't mean that she does some little minor things wrong. What he's saying is, this woman is a prostitute. Now what you have to understand about the culture is... These dinners were held kind of in courtyards where people could watch. How weird is that? I mean, it's like the weirdest thing I've ever heard. What a culture is that? That's a weird culture. They would have it kind of in the front yard. And everybody passing by could watch. They couldn't come in. They weren't invited. But they could watch. And they could listen. And so one has to presume that this woman heard Jesus teach. And maybe she had gotten hope that even a person who lives a sinful life can be forgiven. And and when you have a message of hope, hey, even you, sinful you, as sinful as you are, everybody looks down on you, everybody in town knows what you do for a living, you have a reputation and it ain't a good reputation. Even you have hope of forgiveness. And she learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. And she shows up because you could. And she wanted to see what was up. And she was a woman of ill repute. Now understand the culture again. You have to understand the context, the culture. A woman in that day had no rights. 
She was not much more than property. Her husband could divorce her for just about anything. You burn the toast, you get divorced. I mean, it really put, you had to talk about pressure. If he found somebody else he liked better, he could get a divorce. And so, for some reason, this woman's husband died, or this woman's husband got tired of her. For whatever reason, she finds herself alone. Women in that day didn't have options of going and working someplace, or they didn't have the option of starting their own business. You had, you had a couple of options. You got remarried, you went back and lived with your dad and your mom, or you became a prostitute. You, you didn't have, I mean, it's not like the world was your oyster and you had lots of options. And this woman degrades herself and everybody in the village knows it. And she shows up and watches this event unfold. Now, we don't exactly know how this goes down, but can you picture in your mind that here she sees Jesus. She had just heard him, and he had just given a message that even people like her could be forgiven. And she shows up, and she sees how Jesus is being treated. And when someone you love is being treated poorly, you do amazing things. My girls all played sports growing up. Elise is playing sports now, like the, the new dispensation of sports. And I remember when Amaris, my oldest daughter, was playing basketball. She was on the ninth grade basketball team, and, and she had a coach... And he was mean to her. Like she would make a mistake and he would pull her and it was just obvious. And I'm preaching at the time, I'm a preacher, and thoughts of how can I kill him and not get caught began to run through my mind. I mean, really, he needs to be out. Uh, I mean, I don't know, can I beat him up in the parking lot and nobody knows who I am? I mean, that's, that's kind of, because one I loved was being treated poorly and everybody knew it. Everybody knew. Everybody could see it. I had another preacher friend beside me, and he looked at me and he goes, man, that's horrible. It's like, I know. I know it's wrong. She's being treated wrong, and this isn't right. And i got to do something. I, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. i kind of gotten past that a little bit, but um, until it happens again. Uh, but uh, um, I, I was so mad. I mean, I... I I know you could see it because I sure could feel it. My blood pressure went up. My face got red. I was ready to throw down. And this guy was old. I could have killed that guy. And uh, so, uh, and, and this woman of ill repute, she sees Jesus' treatment, and she can't stand it. And so she enters the courtyard. She breaches etiquette all over the place. She walks into the courtyard uninvited. Uh, it just wasn't done. And everybody at the table who was reclining at the table would have gasped. Because that kind of woman would never be invited in a million years into this man's home. And yet, she walks right in 
And I don't know how she came up with the idea. She couldn't give him the kiss of greeting, even on his, not on his cheek, obviously. That would just be so presumptuous and, and scandalous. And not even on the hand because, again, people would talk. And so she comes up with the idea that she is going to kneel at his feet. And he didn't receive the kiss of greeting that he was supposed to. But by golly, she, he was going to receive a kiss of greeting. Can you imagine the drama? She enters, she kisses his feet, the tears of forgiveness begin to flow. Have you ever been around somebody that's broken? When you're broken, man, you just cry. It's just, just how it works. The death of a loved one, the unfulfilled dream. I mean, a lot of things can cause this. This woman had hope for the first time, maybe in a long time. Jesus looked at her in a way that no man probably had ever looked at her before. Simon didn't wash his feet, but she began to let her tears soak Jesus' feet. And then, she can't ask for a towel. Simon would never consent to that. So she comes up, again, this is, she's just, it's almost as if she has no inhibition here. She lets her hair down. Now understand, again, culturally, you've got to understand this. Women never let their hair down. Every time you were in public, your hair was up. The only person you would let your hair down for would be your husband. In fact, it was a divorceable, uh, uh, it was a di divorceable act if a woman let her hair down in front of a man other than her husband it was cause uh, for divorce and she had let her hair down before many times for many men but this was going to be the last time And then it talks about this, this alabaster jar, this little vial of perfume that she wore mostly, most likely around her neck. It was strategic in her profession, as you can understand, because she would use it a drop at a time, and she would make herself more appealing. She empties this little flask because she won't need it anymore. She won't need it for that profession <laughs> anymore. And she unashamedly pours herself in adoration and gratitude. And here's something that we have to understand. To truly follow Jesus, it will always eventually lead to sacrifice. You, you cannot follow Christ without sacrificing. You can't stay the same and follow Jesus. And those of us who follow Christ, He will ask us to do things that are sacrificial and uncomfortable. It's part of the deal. 
He led by example. There's a thing called the cross, and he sacrificed, and we get to sacrifice as well. So do you, you get where we are now in this story? Etiquette was breached by Simon. Etiquette was breached by this woman. And then Jesus uses this opportunity to teach. And he says to Simon, I have something, I got something to say. You're probably not going to like it. And Simon says, tell me. I can't read his tone into what he, what's written, but one has to wonder, was it a little bit sassy? Well, just tell me. Kind of how it feels. And Jesus tells a story. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. By the way, in this culture, to be indebted to someone, you weren't thought of very highly. If you had to borrow money to buy things, you weren't thought of very highly. So the two people who are money lenders aren't, I mean, who are, have borrowed money aren't, it's not like that's common. It's common today, not very common. You, you were kind of looked down upon. Now, as bad as that is for you, if you are a, a person who has borrowed money, the money lender was even worse. If we were to write this story today, we would probably say um, there were two bookies who borrowed money from Vinny. You know, because that's how it feels. That, that, would how, that would be how it felt to them. And both debtors owed money. One 500 denarii, the other 50. Look at it like this. $500,000 or $50,000. $500,000 and $5,000. There's a vast difference in the amounts. One sum is so large that... I don't know about you, but for me to have to pay off a $500,000 bill, let's say I were to go to the hospital and, and they were to send me a bill and I don't have insurance and the bill you know, for three days in the hospital was $500,000. I don't know what I would do. I, 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 that, it would feel hopeless to me. $500,000 bill for me. So whatever number it would be for you. It might be you know, $5 million, Whatever. For you, whatever it would be, whatever would feel to you like you are never going to pay this off, that's the number he's talking about. The other guy, he owed, but it's, it's doable. I could pay $5,000. I could come up, I could scratch around. At least I didn't have to go to college. I mean, I could come up with $5,000, you know. I, I could do that, but now $500,000, I'm, I'm, I'm really in trouble. So the, the idea is they both owe, but one is just crazy owe. Like he's just crazy. It's, just un, it's never going to get paid off. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he calls them in and he says, uh, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Just like that. I'm sure it's just like that. Jesus probably said it just like that. And he forgave the debt of both. And so he asked this probing little question. Jesus, oh, he's a master. Which do you think loves the guy that just forgave the debts more? Now, you and I, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that this is an easy question to answer. Look, look at Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debts. This is, this is, 
Jesus is so funny. See, Simon had already made some judgments, remember? If, if this guy was even a, if he was any measure of a prophet, he would know. He'd already judged Jesus. This guy's not a prophet. A prophet would know. He's obviously not a prophet. And this woman, oh, she's a sinner. She's a prostitute. If he was any prophet at all, he'd know that this woman, and he had prejudged, and he had judged her, and he had judged him, and he was wrong. And it's as if Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you another shot. Which one would love the most? And so Jesus, is, I almost wonder if he chuckles. Well, you judge correctly this time. You missed the other two. You're 0 for 2. I gave you another shot. At least you got this one right. It's, it's kind of funny. Hey, 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 hey. You judge correctly. And then, this is, he'd been talking to Simon the whole time and his crowd. Simon and his people. And then Jesus turns toward the woman, but he's still speaking to Simon. Really important. Do you get this? And he's looking at her, but he's talking to them. And he asks a question. Do you see this woman? Because he hadn't. What he had seen is somebody who did not, in his estimation, deserve to be in his home. He saw someone, in his estimation, that didn't deserve God's grace. See, he, he was, the in his mind, he's the little debt guy. He's really close to being able to pay off his debt himself. He doesn't need a lot of grace. So in his mind, he really hasn't seen her. Because all he's seen is an object of scorn. And he's scorned her. Simon, he says, You see this woman? I, I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. Now... Remember what's the least you could do? Well, what the guy should have done is wash Jesus' feet himself because it was a lesser working for somebody who's better. Jesus doesn't even presume that. He doesn't presume that Simon should have had a servant do it. I mean, Jesus is so compassionate and gracious here. He just says, hey, dude, you didn't even offer me water. I mean, I could have done it myself. And then he says, you didn't give me a kiss. You should have. He doesn't say, Jesus could have said, you should have kissed my hand. He doesn't say that. Again, very compassionate. Jesus is so cool in this story. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And he says, Simon... You didn't put oil on my head, because that's kind of what you should have done, but she has poured perfume on my feet. I'm going to draw a comparison, Simon. You've done nothing. She's been extravagant. It's quite remarkable, frankly. And then Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, because she's repented. She has poured out her source of making a living. She is saying, Jesus, I'm all in. No matter what, I'm throwing in with you. 
And I believe you'll provide, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven loves little. Those who've been forgiven much love much. Those who've been forgiven little love little. See, she's broken. And that's why she washed his feet with her tears, and that's why she wiped them off with her hair, and that's why she emptied her flask, and that's why she let her hair down, because she wanted to lavish upon Jesus what he was due. That's important to understand what Jesus isn't saying in that parable. He isn't saying, Simon, you don't have much sin. Simon, again, kind of looked at things from a, I don't have a lot, I mean, I'm really close to getting in, I'm probably in already to heaven. Yeah, he didn't love people, loved himself. See, she desperately needed grace for a heart that was broken. He desperately needed grace for a heart that was hard. But they both needed grace. You can be a really good person, do really good things. You can kind of think highly of yourself and still be sinful. And Jesus was pointing this out. You can kind of leave Jesus sort of close, but not sinner. So the challenge for us today, and I'm going to ask you to bring a couple of gifts to Jesus. She brought gifts. Let's think about it. One is repentance. When you look at your life and you say, well, maybe I'm not all in with Jesus, what is there that's holding you back from being all in? Maybe you you say, well, I've been proud or I've been unloving or I've been self-serving. I've deliberately deceived somebody. I've let my anger fly. I've lusted. I've coveted. Don't, don't you picture in your mind's eye when Jesus said to Simon as he's looking at this woman, this woman whose sins are many, I would suspect she probably nodded in agreement with that. Because it was kind of the only time maybe in her life she'd gotten honest. This woman whose sins are many, The gift of repentance to God is very precious. It's when we say, Lord, I, I'm not going to put on for anybody. I can put on for my wife or my kids or my coworkers or my people I go to church with. I can put on. But I know you know. The first gift is repentance. The second gift is service. Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, good grief. The gift of service, it could be music. It, it could be teaching. It could be coaching. It could be physical activity. If you remember the movie Chariots of Fire, Eric Little said, I feel God's pleasure when I run. It could be creating something with your hands. It could be giving something away. I read a story this week um, John Ortberg, one of my favorite authors and, and preachers, 
tells about a time when, I'll read it to you. He has three little kids at the time, and he said, when they were real little, I would tuck them into bed, and, and I would say, I don't love you this much, and I don't love you this much. I love you this much. And I'd stretch my hands as far as I could, and they would make me go through every iteration, every time. I love you this much. And we did that pretty much every night, and they knew just what this gesture meant, this much. So I was washing the car one time with one of our daughters, and we had been washing for a while. And this particular child, who usually makes lots of noise, had been silent. Every, every parent in the room knows what that means. There was no noise coming from that area for suspiciously long. And I was afraid something was the matter. And when I looked, she had a hose in her hand, and she had emptied the trunk, and she had put out a bunch of my books... I had back there an address that I had bought for her mom and my tennis racket with gut strings and had thoroughly washed and ruined the whole deal. And I tried to figure out what I was going to say to her. And knowing by the expression on my face that she was in big trouble, she looked at me and she said, Daddy, I love you this much. And he says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do but forgive much? Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith saved you. Go in peace. And Jesus holds his arms out. And in stories like the prodigal son, the father holds his arms out. And he held his arms out to this, this woman who had made really bad choices and had harmed herself and her community and her family and other men's families. And Jesus held his arms out to crooked tax collectors and unfaithful friends. And his dying breath on the cross, he said, I love you this much. And what old Simon doesn't know is that Jesus would say it to him too. And what you and I need to know is he would say it to us too. I love you this much. I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you're into. I love you this much. Let's pray. Father, it is an honor to be a part of the family It's an honor to have someone love us that much. We don't deserve it no matter what we think. And we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son. Help us, Lord, this week to get real honest with ourselves. Help us, Lord, this week to find ways to serve. Help us to hear your voice and do what you say. And help us to remember that to truly follow you will always require, eventually, sacrifice. Help us to be willing to follow you and to do whatever you ask. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.